Business owners are cluing into the fact that Bitcoin is here to stay, but its adoption is only about where internet adoption was in the mid-90s. In other words, there's still a ton of upside and opportunity. If you want to learn how other business owners and entrepreneurs are using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses so that you can too, stick around at the end of this episode to hear the trailer for my newest podcast, Business Bitcoinization. And now, on to today's episode. You're listening to the Life as Leadership podcast. Are you looking for motivation and encouragement on your path to becoming a better leader? If so, you've come to the right place. Keep listening to find a community of leaders committed to learning and taking action to improve their world. The Life as Leadership podcast, where leaders gather to grow together. Here's your host, Josh Friedemann. If you are listening to this podcast right now, you are probably on social media of some sort. But the question is, how well do you use social media to help you achieve your goals, whatever they are? Usually, we just waste time, but what if social media could be something that is actually valuable to you? I know there's this idea that we can use social media well, but I think too few of us don't, and our guest today is going to help us to figure out how to use social media well to build our personal brand. Our guest today helps motivated professionals to unlock their inner talents and create the successful and meaningful lives we all crave. He's been a senior corporate leader in multiple countries and is a leading thinker in transformation and what it takes to thrive in complex times. A natural disruptor, he helps executives, entrepreneurs, and business owners to build their personal brands and influence and is an expert in leading change. His first book, Time to Shine, explains what we need to do be and build to show up as successful, fulfilled, and authentic influencers. His second book, Second Half Hero, launches in 2020. Here is Mark Hodgson. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Josh, and thank you for having me on board. So I like to start off every interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you better and give us some insight and application for our own lives. So you ready for this? Sure, let's go. What is some lesson, saying, or experience that continues to influence your leadership to this day? Uh, look, I think the the the, ma- the main influence uh, I think about is uh, is having the courage to never lose sight of building the life that you want for yourself, uh, and that's about professional success and also personal success. And I think lots of people sort of give up or give in to the mediocre. Or, or just uh, settle settle their sights too low, and I think uh, leadership is all about uh, leading ourselves to be the best we can be, um, and we should never lose sight of that. And it's very easy to do so. Use three descriptors to finish this sentence. A leader is a leader is courageous. A leader is curious. Uh, a leader is tenacious. What is a question that leaders should be asking either themselves or others? I think the best question I think a leader should be asking is what work do I need to do on myself so that I'm positioned to show up at my best uh, and that's around things around uh, uh, you know uh, meditation breathing exercise reading uh, just making sure that we're doing a whole lot of stuff to prepare ourselves to to show up what is a book that you would recommend to leaders a book I would really recommend is the five dysfunctions of a team by Patrick Lencioni. I think it really gets into the nuts and bolts of where most teams go wrong, which is they don't build a, a support base of trust that enables open and honest debate. And it's a really it's a really accessible book. It's written as a fable. 
and uh, you can you could probably read the whole thing in about 90 minutes. It's a really good way for teams to explore how they can come together better and collaborate effectively to get out to get the best out of themselves and also expect more and get the best out of each other. If you could get every listener to start doing something this week that would help them be a better leader, what would that thing be? Well, that's easy. I just wrote a blog about this this morning, Josh, and that is to start saying no more often. Uh, we fill ourselves up uh, with too many tasks, too many appointments, too many distractions, and I think one of the one of the one of the keys to equipping ourselves to fight the inevitable overwhelm that many of us experience. Sorry, no, it's not inevitable. The overwhelm that many of us experience. We've got to get on top of that thing so that we stay in control. Uh, we have to say no to a lot of things. So be very clear about what we're saying uh, yes to, um, and and say pretty much no to everyone, no to everyone else. Um, and everything else. So uh, that's just being really guided around how we use our time to best effect, uh, to affect the change and leadership outcomes we're trying to affect um, for ourselves and our team and our business, but also to make sure that we save that precious time we need to spend with our families and our social lives and our communities, and also making sure we're doing the self-work that's so important to our own uh, to our own thriving. Our final question is what we call our arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? Why not? Always, always. Why not is basically about a possibility mindset. Uh, and so many individuals and so many organizations are bound by, you know, kind of a, a, a habit of, all, of, of kind of getting stuck in either the familiar or, or essentially move, always trying to move forward by extending the past. And that's like stuck in that sense of, well, and that, how does that show up in language? It's, oh, this is the way we do things around here, or we've always done it this way. And I think, you know, I talk a lot about this idea of a, a VUCA world that you're probably familiar with, Josh, and VUCA is an acronym, and it stands for volatility, uncertainty, complexity and ambiguity so we live in this fast changing VUCA world um, and yeah we all know the pace of pace of life and business is changing um, and it seems to me that the only logical response we can have to that and must have to that is one of possibility and abundance how can we how can we do things differently um, you know what's stopping us doing things differently what, what what do we need to do to change so it's all about why, why not do things why, why not why not do new things? Um, what's stopping us? And we have to have that move towards abundance rather than scarcity, um, and it's all, which is where most people and most organizations get stuck. They get stuck in the status quo, stuck in scarcity, and we need to move forwards into the area of of the future and what's possible um, and, and say, hey, where, where, can, where are we going? How will we get there? And what are the things um, that we need to do and be and build to create our best possible future? And your work is all about transformation and helping people thrive. Now, you focus on people who want to stand out, on leaders who want to step up and executives who are hungry for change. Can you talk a little bit about what got you into this work and really what you do with the clients that you work with? Yeah, sure. So I actually come from a corporate leadership background. As you can probably hear from my voice, I'm originally English. I was born in, uh, in London, spent uh, 30 years living in London. But uh, for the last 20 years, um, I've lived in Sydney in Australia, which is where I am now. So I, I basically had a corporate leadership career uh, based in in media and advertising and, 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 and media sales. And that took me around the world. I worked in the UK. I worked in Central Europe. I lived in in, in Hungary and in Budapest for five years. Uh, I've worked in Russia. Uh, and now I've been working in Australasia. So I had a corporate leadership career. 
um, took me to a whole load of different spaces. I guess I got to the point where um, well, a couple of things happened. Firstly, I got more interested in, as, I, as I, I got more promoted and got bigger roles in different places, I became more interested in um, in leadership um, and the process of getting the best out of other people. Um, and I guess more 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 in that than I did actually the subject matter expertise, which happened at that point to be around um, media and advertising. Um, and so my last corporate role was really uh, transformational for me because I, uh, I I left the media area and actually spent three years leading a business transformation in a large not-for-profit organisation here in Australia. Uh, and it was a not-for-profit business. Uh, sorry, it was a sorry, it was a for-profit division of a not-for-profit business. And the for-profit division, and I'm not sure if this happens in the states, Josh, but they're, they're quite common here, where not-for-profits partake in usually providing some kind of services to government for which they get paid, and that creates profit for them, which they then reinvest in their in their community programs. So they they're, so they overall are still a not-for-profit. Um, but anyway, this particular for-profit division was losing money, which really I just thought that was wrong because I had this vision that uh, somewhere on a street corner people were shaking cans and putting you know, people were putting in uh, coins and donating things, thinking, hey, we're helping the homeless on the street or helping you know, tackle um, a, a substance abuse or something. And what they were actually doing was shoring up the bottom line of a business that should have been making money. Basically, I spent three years uh, turning that around and we, we, the, we turned a million-dollar loss into a $3 million profit across three years and a couple of interesting things the way we did that the way I did that I, I build a team um, and my guiding philosophy which is my favorite quote about leadership is that the role of a leader is to bring out greatness in others and that's really what I did I just tried to empower enable remove a whole lot of blockages and crazy kind of oh, we don't do this or we only do that kind of mindsets that kind of become embedded in that business um, and that was really instrumental in in me I guess being successful as a leader or, or creating a team that was successful and we got great results and um, what was interesting was I, re- I really focused on just the people aspect I knew if I could bring out the greatness in the people that the results would look after themselves which is exactly what happened but then the second uh, key thing that happened was the end of doing that uh, myself and my team and this is a sorry this is around uh, 10 years ago this is 2011 both myself and my leadership team, which was a really cool leadership team, very strong, we were all made redundant. And it was kind of, we fixed up the business enough and then the over the larger business said, okay, uh, we've had enough of that kind of disruption, but thanks for fixing it up, now you can leave. Um, and that kind of really, I, I, that, that upset me greatly. I mean, I, I guess always, uh, we can't deny there's always some element of ego in that. Um, but mainly it was like a sense of, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want, I no longer want to be at the whim of, I guess, corporate decision makers. And I guess if I look at my overall corporate career, you have good periods and bad periods. You have periods of great bosses and great organizations. And then always something will happen. There'll be a merger acquisition. You'll get a new boss. You'll go to a new location that's different and not as good so and so forth and so on. Um, and I really kind of wanted to take uh, control of my own destiny. So w- once I was made redundant, I actually took the opportunity to set out my own stall and, uh, and build my own consultancy which I've uh, been uh, running for the last nine years. Um, and it's been one um, you know, one extraordinary journey, very much a journey of self-discovery. Um, it's it's about transitioning from being living in a corporate environment, which is a, um, actually very safe and very uh, resourced. So wherever, if you're, if you're listening to this as a, as a corporate employee, uh, you have no idea how good you have it. And I also understand that you might not feel that way. But when you're out on your own solo, it's a very different feeling. Uh, yes, you're free. 
in one sense, but also you're, <laughs> you don't get a salary check. So anyway, so I've spent the last nine years really working out what that looks like. And I guess I've been, I've been my own crash test dummy. So I've worked out what, uh, what transformation and self-leadership and personal leadership looks like as one looks to build and design the work and life balance that you love. And that's what I've now done. So it probably took me two to three years to work out what I was trying to do and actually start doing it. So I replaced my corporate salary after around three years. And now I run a successful transformation consultancy. So I work with a lot of uh, motivated uh, uh, professionals, both who work for organizations, leadership uh, leaders, lead their teams, but also a lot of individuals. And increasingly, we're seeing a lot of more solopreneurs and business owners and entrepreneurs uh, who I work with, and um, a lot of the work I'm doing is helping them create mindsets, helping them to transform. Because as, as we're kind of talking about today, a lot of what a lot of a lot of what's necessary to to succeed in that VUCA world that I spoke about, uh, we need to be resilient. We need to be agile. We need to be forward thinking. Um, we need to be um, much more intentional and productive. Um, and all those things are, are, are quite difficult. Um, and we need to do, we need to do work on that. And I think um, the other thing we need to do is build a professional brand that we carry with us. And that professional brand that's about building our influence. So what that looks like typically is we need to create uh, a, a brand that helps people to understand who we are, what we do, how we help, such that we're able to attract people to us and build a tribe of of clients and supporters and collaborators with whom we can do business and with whom we, with whom we can do life uh, and that influencer piece often that requires we need to create a con- we need to create content we need to do it consistently we need to create a message so i do a lot of work with people helping them to get really clear on what their message is and actually bringing that to life um, into such a way that they actually build their influence uh, and in turn attract those people and b- attract people to them and build that tribe that we all need uh, to be successful and to thrive and very much when i talk about thriving um, I think thriving today is about success. Yes, it's about dollar success. We and everything I do is very much commercially focused, but it also understands at the same time that our thriving is also so commercial success for sure, but also um, family success and balance and, and and giving back to the community and others. And essentially, and I know this can sound kind of a bit woo woo, but making sure that we design and actually achieve the best uh, possible life that we desire and. Um, that is achievable, but as I said, there's a lot of work required to do that. So I spend a lot of time working with individuals and teams, as I've described, um, through mentoring programs, through uh, through team uh, team building programs and workshops, and also as a keynote speaker and, and author. There are a lot of things that come to mind based off of all that you just said. You mentioned being free versus in a corporate setting, maybe being uh, secure or something like that, how how good people can have it when they have that security. But why is it that you've chosen to continue in a freer vein, but in a in a setting that doesn't necessarily have as much security? There's a lot of things I want to do and there's a lot of places I want to be. And, I, and whilst it, 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 I'm sure there are some some corporate roles where that is enabled, uh, they're probably few and far between. I spend, I would say, 90% of the time, and I work hard, by the way, I work 50 to 60 hours a week. Um, but I reckon 90% of that I, I enjoy a, 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 enjoy somewhat or a lot. And I don't think many corporate employees would say that. So there's very little I do that I don't enjoy. So that's kind of a, a, I design my life in that way. But also it enables me to do all the other things I want to do. So I'm a, I'm a keen, um, um, you know, I, I, I play sport. I'm, I row a thing called a surf boat, which is um, 
it's an ocean version of a rowing of a, of a rowing aid um, that we have here in Australia. So that's a big, big important thing to me, both in terms of fitness and also socialization. I travel, I go overseas with business. So yeah, there's a whole lot of places I want to be and things I want to do. I want to spend time with family. I, I'm curious. I want to learn new things. Uh, and the reality is I just find uh, doing that in my own time and on my own terms is, is the way is the way I want to roll. And um, I, I guess I've probably got to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm unemployable, Josh. I'm not sure anyone would would would, uh, would would be able to offer me the terms that would work for them and myself. Sure, sure. So another thing is you just mentioned you help people develop uh, professional brands for themselves. Mm. What is the difference between a professional and a personal brand when it's something that you're developing for yourself? Yeah, good question. And the answer is they're actually both the same. And I think this is the this is the thing that a lot of people need to get across because I think one thing that's happened. I've talked about this idea of the VUCA world, and you know, uh, you know, if we hold up a smartphone, I mean, the, sm- the smartphone didn't exist. You know, twelve. I think the iPhone's eleven years old, and it's obviously transformed our lives. And and you know, I, I'm old enough to remember. I'm fifty four. I'm old enough to remember when the fax actually was a big, it was an invention. I'm sounding like John Logie Baird here, but I, I remember when the fax was an invention. You know, I remember when, when basically you went home from work at five o'clock on a Friday afternoon um, and you didn't expect to have any sight or sound or thought of work until Monday, Monday morning at nine o'clock. And now, of course, that's no longer true. So our, our work and our private and our social lives are all smashed together. Um, through technology, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Others, some would debate that, but there, it's a reality, and I don't think we're, we're not going to we're not going to unmake that omelet, um, as it were. So we, we we need to show up at our our authentic best, and I think that needs to be reflected in a brand sense, in a brand that captures all of who we are. So sure, we need to talk about you know, first and foremost this idea of what we do professionally, but also our, have aspects of our of our social um, and and human aspects if you were so i like to picture it like a mosaic and imagine a mosaic with a with a with a, with a big circle in the middle and that's your main professional piece but imagine around the around the, the, the around the edge of the central circle there's lots of smaller circles which might be your interests your hobbies your families your passions legacies things that are important to you and i think you want to talk about all of those things to create a sense of authenticity and depth that creates human connection and human interest because the what we're actually looking for in a brand is something that we can connect with um, and obviously, one of the, well, one of the you know, we talk about we talk about technology and, and VUCA, uh, and we are actually ironically very disconnected generally. So a brand has to appeal to it as a human level. And I talk about um, this idea that we need to not just talk about our expertise, which is what we know, and our experience, which is where we've been, which is what most people do. We also need to bring out that third element, which is our essence, and that's who we be. And if we if we bring our essence in conjunction with our expertise and our experience, that's when we bring all of us into the all of us to the party and show up at our best possible version. And we need to capture all of that in our online brand, uh, both as a visual and I guess as a website or a LinkedIn profile, which is where most people can play. Um, but also in turn, that that helps us to show up physically with more confidence and more authenticity at our human best, which is fundamentally what it's about. Now, part of what you're doing is helping people to have more influence in their lives. And when people use the word influencer today, it usually carries with it a lot of images, usually <laughs> of people on Instagram, uh, you know, taking pictures of themselves, selling stuff that no one needs. When you say influencer or when you're talking in those terms, what do you mean? What are you thinking? What do you want other people to think about? 
Yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm not talking about getting paid, uh, you know, half a million dollars to promote a an app or a, or a fashions top. No, we're not doing that. Uh, I'm talking about professional influence for professionals. So I guess the if if we think through it, think of this through a through through the frame of a social media platform, think of this as LinkedIn is probably the best. Um, platform that that, that, there's a metaphor for this because LinkedIn is is the predominant social media platform for professionals. Um, So think of it as influencing in in, in that level. So it's standing out um, in as a, as a professional um, to a professional market of customers and collaborators. Um, And fundamentally, you know, how do we differentiate ourselves? And for example, Josh, if I go to LinkedIn, um, I'm guessing probably at least 90% of the people listening to this podcast, maybe even higher, 90% of people listening to this podcast would be um, would be members of LinkedIn. Uh, and the stats tell us that fewer than 10% of people on LinkedIn actually create content. So what does that mean? That means that most people on LinkedIn, all they've really done is created an, a digital online version of their resume or CV, um, which, you know, even if you just say that, that can't be enough, can it? If we talk about this world that's changed so much, how can really just having an online version of a, of a written document be, you know, be your, your best effort at putting yourself out there? And the obvious answer is it can't. So only 10% of people create content. Um, and you can only really create influence if you're creating some content. So if you've got the, if for those 10%, you know, it's okay, well, let's actually be, let's be one of the 10% who are creating content. Let's go one step better. Let's actually create great content because most content on LinkedIn is pretty average and pretty boring. So there's a real opportunity. And so what I'm talking about, it's not all about LinkedIn, but I think LinkedIn's a good metaphor. That's how we want to be at our build our influence. We want to be really clear about what we do and how we differentiate ourselves from others. Because the reality is, I'm sure most people listening are, listening here are what I would call credible subject matter experts. And that's awesome. You've worked hard. You've probably studied. You've gone to college. You've got degrees. You've got experience. You've got experience. That's amazing. But the reality is in a wild world, you know, the, you, the, the world's full of credible subject matter experts. And if you live in North America or, or the UK or, or Australasia where I live, you know, we're all expensive subject matter experts. Um, so we've got to do more to stand out. And I, there's, there's a quote I love, which is kind of a little bit confronting and, might, and people might disagree with it. But the, I think it's actually use, a useful frame, which is that we need to focus on being different more than being better. And that might sound, what do you mean different more than better? And here's why, because unless we are really intentional and spend some time and invest some money and thought in building a uh, some kind of professional and personal brand that clearly marks us out, that makes us different, chances are we'll never get the interview or the consultancy offer or the chance to tender where we can actually prove that we're better. So we need to focus on being different and then give yourself the chance to tell them, tell people why you're better, you know, to get the promotion, get a pay rise, win the job, uh, win, a, win a project, whatever. You've got to do that second. And I think most people, all they do is they, 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 they concentrate on being better, which is all, it's noble, it's great, don't get me wrong, but they, don't, they spend insufficient resource and time and thinking on being different. How are you different? How are you standing up? What's different about you to the, you know, 10, 100,000 other professionals that you know can also do what you do. And that's the challenge for us. And that's why we need to build our influence. What would you recommend would be a good way for people to gauge whether or not they're being as engaged as they should be in creating content? Obviously, if you're not creating anything, if you're not doing anything, then you should start doing something that's helpful to other people. But is there a way that people can begin to gauge whether or not they need to be doing more as far as developing content and getting their name in front of other faces? 
Sure. There, and I, and I, 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 I don't know if you're setting this up, Josh, or if it's just a coincidence. I may be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hey, guys, I've actually got a, a free diagnostic tool uh, where it's, it's called my Influencer uh, Diagnostic, and it's, uh, it takes you, it, it'll take you five minutes. Uh, to complete, you answer nine questions. It's free. Uh, and really what it does is help you to work out where you are on the inf- what I call the influencer dial. And the influencer dial has five levels. And they get, it goes asleep, agitated, active, amplified, and awesome. Uh, now, you, they're probably kind of fa- fairly self-explanatory, but we need to work out where are you from asleep to awesome on the kind of the influencer dial. So, yeah, uh, please take that, take take the uh, take the diagnostic. Nine questions will take you five minutes. And what you'll receive is a complimentary, customized uh, report that tells you kind of from what stage you are, what kind of w- what that's about, and the things you need to do, some action actions you need to take to actually start to move the dial, so to move you towards you know, the next level of, um, you know, uh, the next level. And look, I would love to think that everyone who's actually haven't got the curiosity to listen to podcasts like this is at the very least agitated. So most of the people I work with are at that point where they're agitated. They they know they want to do more. They know they need to do more, but they're not really quite sure where to start. So we need to get you from agitated to active. And that's an act, you know, actively creating content, actively working on your brand um, and actively putting yourself out there. And then hopefully beyond to, over time, you can get amp, become amplified. Um, but by the way, and the thing I don't want you to hear is this, this is, a, is, is a huge amount of work. It is not. It is about a few minutes of work every day done consistently. Um, and I'll also send you, Josh, um, we've actually created a platform. Um, which are called the LinkedIn Accelerator Club, which I've designed with a colleague um, to exactly to help people create um, or build a content creation habit, which is the DNA of actually building your influence. So there's two things there. There's the um, yeah, the diagnostic quiz, which you can take, and that's free. And also, say, if you're interested, that we've, run, we're, we've created a platform called the LinkedIn Accelerator Club where people can jump on there every day and create a content creation habit uh, with a whole community of other people. It just gets us into that habit. And it's like, it's like everything you know, with, with, um, with habits. And there's a really good um, book by James Clear called Atomic Habits that some of you may be familiar with. Uh, and what he says is in terms of creating habits, we, if we're going to create a habit, a new habit, we need to uh, we need to turn up in a place where our desired behavior is the usual behavior. So, for example, obviously, if you, if you want to get fit physically, then you go to a gym where everyone's getting fit. Um, so if you want to create great content regularly, then that's that's the thinking behind it, the LinkedIn Accelerator Club. We create a platform where people show up every day. Uh, you don't have to come every day, but maybe two or three times a week. We share, we help each other to to create content, a bit of critique, a bit of group coaching, and fundamentally get to a place where it's familiar for all of us to be creating this stuff. Because without that, this can feel like a very solitary experience. And, everyone, and it's very common for people to feel absolutely terrified about pressing that publish or send button on LinkedIn or Facebook or sending a note around into, on their internal you know, intranet or whatever it is, uh, and people, you know, it, it's helping people to get over that and just realize, hey, you know what, you're not being judged. You are good enough. You know enough things. You can play this game and you should play this game. I imagine that there are listeners right now who can think about what they might write about, but there probably are a number of other people that are thinking, I have no idea what I would even begin to say. Do you have any framework or idea of how to begin thinking through what you have to offer and and realizing what it is that you know that other people might need to know or might benefit from? 
Yeah, this that's a great question, Josh. It, what's interesting is is the more you do this, the more you're able to do it with what I call a lightness of touch. Because when we start out, it's like we think that everything has to be incredibly worthy and profound and important and kind of you know um, you know significant. And the reality is, it just doesn't. It just doesn't. So um, you know, sharing um, sharing uh, even a small idea um, is valuable. Um, so, for example, I, I wrote I wrote a um, I wrote a little a LinkedIn post today. It took me ten minutes. I talked about the importance of saying no. Um, now, most of us would be familiar with the idea of saying no, but I've just I've just used that little idea. It's when we say no to things, it cre- it's a great productivity thing, and it stops us getting filled up with stuff that gets in our way, causes us to be overwhelmed, and then we get kind of get lost and stuck, and we can become unhappy and stressed. And yeah, so a good antidote to that is just saying no. Now, that's that's a simple idea. But that's a great little piece of content. Um, so you don't have to be profound. Uh, so that's one idea, one point. The second point is that, again, coming back to my idea about uh, the, 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 um, that we need to bring all ourselves and tell our human story, bring our essence into play, you know, a lot of the value of our, of, of our thinking, it's not that we know something uniquely that no one else does, and that's unlikely to be the case. Um, what's important is that we bring it to life through, through our own experience or in our own context. So if you're you know, if you're if you're in if you're in, in in insurance for example professional services you know bring just common ideas and, and things that you know um, but tell them through the lens of of your industry or your experience in the industry or your company and you'll find people find a lot of value in that you know and it's the the, the, the really human things connected with humility and even a, a bit of wit they're the ones that stand out you know if we go to LinkedIn like I said a lot of LinkedIn content is really boring it's really worthy and kind of here's 10 leadership tips like people aren't looking for that we're not looking for content um, in a sense because there's content everywhere what we're looking for is content that stands out because we get connected with the idea or get connected with the people behind the behind the idea um, so really you know the most powerful posts are the ones that are most human. For example, I was in uh, I was in the UK before Christmas, and I sh- and I, I I got to sit down with one with my first ever mentor, a guy called Alan Hewitt, who's who sadly uh, subsequently passed away in in uh, in November, which was really sad. But all I posted was this beautiful picture of me and Alan. Alan was I think eighty four when it, when he passed, and it's me and Alan you know, sitting on this beautiful sofa, and it's just a snap. And all I did was post that on LinkedIn and say, "Hey, here's a picture of me with my first mentor." His name was Alan, and he taught me a few things. He taught me to check to make sure that before I, you know, that to check, check that I'd spelt the name right and the date was right on a letter I sent out. Before I rushed in to you know send it and get that wrong, he taught he taught me the value of a chair was whatever you want it to be, not just the cost of the parts, you know, plus 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 a margin. And he taught me a few things, but fundamentally, I shared about the idea of having a mentor and celebrating my first one. That post got two and a half thousand likes on LinkedIn. Which is pretty significant, and but so so the, my point is, it wasn't a here's eighty seven points about mentoring. It wasn't a profound deep dive into all the things about mentoring, and I can I can talk about that. That's what I do, but that wasn't the point, you know. So I think coming back to your question, Josh, you know, with your content for LinkedIn, it's about a lightness of touch, and the way I go around it, you know. Um, you, I, I use uh, uh, Evernote, which is a great way to catch ideas, capture a picture, capture a quote. You know, listen to stuff. So I listen to podcasts. I'm sure many of the listeners uh, also listen to other podcasts. When you, you know, make sure you're listening to podcasts. Be curious. Get new ideas in your head. And if you hear a quote or an idea, just stop the podcast, jot that down, and think, hey, that's a useful idea. That would be useful for me to talk about in through the lens of my experience or, or, or my specifics, and maybe throw that up on LinkedIn. 
just get in the habit of doing this frequently and you'll find, yeah, the first few are probably a bit clunky and you'll get better. But the point is you will get better over time and you will create or get that content creation habit. And I think you'll actually learn to enjoy it. And that's that's so that's the game where we've done the LinkedIn Accelerator Club. But you know, once you once you start, you'll see content everywhere because it doesn't need to be textbook, it doesn't need to be academic. In fact, it's probably better if it isn't. It's one small idea. Yeah, put a picture in there, tell a story of a quote, you know, tell a little story of some experience you had. Tell stories. And that yeah, you know, if you tell little stories either visually um, or a little, a, f- a few words. And by the way, always use the posts section of LinkedIn, not big articles. Uh, they, they don't work anymore. Posts, it's, uh, which is limited to you know, 1,300 characters. It's two or three par- um, paragraphs. It'll take you 10, 15 minutes to write, and then, you, then you're done and send. In the last nine years, I will, I've helped hundreds of people get over this content creation hurdle. And once they get going, they go, they'll, they'll sit and go, it's like anything. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's like yeah, when you, if you can't run, if you can't run, um, you go to, you start doing some walking, you start doing a few little jogs. And over time, you know, within not very long, you say, I can run five kilometers. What was I worried about? And the, the biggest barrier to most of us in this and in most of the things we've spoken about, Josh, is having the courage to start. And it's about deciding to decide, deciding to start, making that commitment and stepping out and yeah, having some grit to continue that. Don't worry about what others say or don't say. And you'll actually be surprised. Most people will be very supportive. Ignore the naysayers. As anyone who tries to, you know, if anyone tries to take you down, don't worry about them. Ignore them. And just be yourself and, and have faith and have confidence and have courage that, you know what, most people have got your back and you'll be, you'll be, give it a go. It doesn't cost anything. And as I say, I think it's a great thing to do, but also, you know, the, on the flip side, you know, not creating a, a professional brand, not getting really clear on what you do and why you are different, I believe then you basically become commoditized. And in a world, you know, you don't want to become commoditized. You want to have a point of difference because if you're commoditized, you, you know, you kind of, you're kind of putting your fate um, in the, or you're putting your future in, uh, in the lap of the gods a bit. Um, you know, I mean, it's harder to compete. You'll just become, you know, you, you, you'll, you'll be able to earn whatever the market pays if you're only a commodity. But if you stand out, you get a chance to um, you know, take control and, and, of, of, of what you charge, take control of the work you get, and, and you know, as I say, and all those other aspects of your life as well. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Where can people go to learn more about you and your work? Yes, so probably the, 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 the jump onto my website, markhodgson.com.au. Again, it'll be in the show notes. That's, that's the best place and all the resources, the, the, uh, the diagnostic quiz. You can book buy the book and the audio book there. Uh, you can sign up for my blog there and just get in contact. And then also, just, or if you want to know more, just email me, Mark at Mark Hodgson, M-A-R-K-H-O-D-G-S-O-N.com.au. Uh, love to hear for you and maybe set up a call if you're interested in finding about more about uh, yeah, what I do and how I may be able to work with you. And I do travel uh, as a speaker and uh, across across the planet, so very happy to uh, to work internationally. Mark, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Josh. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you. The insight that was most helpful for me in this episode was the idea that it is better to focus on being different before you focus on being better. And I did appreciate some of the nuance that Mark brought to that idea, but really you need to be someone that people want to pay attention to. And after they're paying attention to you, you can convince them that you are the best option. You can focus on being better, but if you are the best person out there at any given thing and no one knows you exist, the truth is you aren't going to be able to help very many people. 
The second takeaway from this episode is that your brand should include expertise, experience, and essence. And oftentimes we focus on expertise and experience, but I like the idea of bringing who you are to the table so that other people can connect with you. And the final takeaway is to develop a content creation habit. This doesn't have to be difficult, and I really like the idea of sharing a simple idea, something that isn't necessarily groundbreaking or incredibly insightful, but an idea that you bring to life with your own experience. Once again, bringing your essence to the table. If you liked what you heard from Mark today, be sure to check out the show notes so that you can find the influencer quiz and a link to his LinkedIn Accelerator Club. You can find all of that at lifeasleadership.com slash 055. And make sure that you come back on Friday because we have a complimentary episode that isn't purposefully connected to this one, but it has some very similar ideas that can help you as you're working to develop and strengthen your personal brand. Until then, keep living and leading well. Hey, thanks for checking out this trailer for the Business Bitcoinization Show. My name is Josh Friedemann, and I'll be with you each episode interviewing business owners about how they're using Bitcoin to enrich their lives and grow their businesses. You might be wondering about the name, and I'll get to that in just a second. But first, let me tell you a little bit more about the show and who it's for. Unless you've lived under a rock for the last decade, you've heard of Bitcoin by now. And if you're like me, you heard about it a while ago, but didn't do anything about it until the last couple of years. Then one day, for whatever reason, it finally clicks. And after that, you enter the Bitcoin rabbit hole, as they say. And the deeper you get, the more you see the value of Bitcoin. But you know, maybe you're not there yet. Maybe you don't know much about Bitcoin, but are interested in learning more. Either way, this show can help you. Each episode will introduce you to an executive or entrepreneur who's using Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth, to improve their life and their business. So, what's with the name? Well, it's a play on the term hyper-Bitcoinization, which is used to describe the eventual rapid adoption of Bitcoin as other currencies get weaker and weaker in relation to it. When you compare a seemingly never-ending supply of dollars to a hard cap of 21 million Bitcoin that will ever exist... It feels like only a matter of time until hyper-Bitcoinization happens. The good news is we have the opportunity to be on the front lines of creating a new and frankly better system. Whether you're already sold on Bitcoin and it feels like I'm preaching to the choir, or you're curious to learn more, business Bitcoinization will help you understand how you and your business can be prepared to take advantage of the massive productivity and wealth that Bitcoin will enable. If business Bitcoinization sounds like a show for you, go ahead and subscribe. Obviously, you can subscribe in whatever podcast app you're using right now or go to www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. Once again, that's www.bizbitshow.com slash listen. I'm looking forward to sharing more soon. And until then, keep living and leading well.